0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. So, uh, just, you're starting to see Mike, I think, not get nervous, but it feels like he wants to let people know, hey, I'm a decent guy here. He was on with Robin Roberts earlier this morning on Good Morning America, and uh, he told a story about when the GM of the Bulls told Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson wasn't coming back after that season, no matter what he did
1: the beginning of the season it, it basically started when uh, Jerry Krause told Phil that you know he can go 82 and 0 and we we he would never get the chance to come back and you know knowing that I was I married myself to him you know obviously and, and if he wasn't going to be a coach then you know obviously I wasn't going to play so Phil started off the year by saying this is the last dance and and we played it that way you know so mentally it just kind of it tugged at you throughout the course of the year, you know, but that this had to come to an end, but it also centered our focus to making sure we end it right.
0: Part one will be this Sunday on ESPN. Do you know how old Jordan was that year? The last dance when he hit the shot against the Utah Jazz? He was 34. You could have gotten at least two more seasons out of him. And I just think ego has played a large role in this. Uh, everybody getting credit. Everybody getting credit except for the GM, Jerry Krause. And, uh, you know, Phil getting credit and Michael getting credit. And, you know, all of a sudden it's, hey, I'm going to dismantle this and we'll build another one. And they haven't recovered in Chicago. Eight seven seven three dp show Email address dp at com Twitter handle at dpshow. You can watch on, on the uh, youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. Old habits die hard. There, there. you go. I saw this story with Bubba Watson, a two-time Masters champ. And uh, Fanatics.com launched a digital fundraising uh, movement. It's called the All-In Challenge. And you've got athletes who are donating, uh, you know, things that they've won or experiences that you can take part in. And Bubba is uh, teaming up with a good friend of of the show here, Denny Hamlin. And I'll have him talk about it. But uh, we make way for Bubba Watson, the uh, great golfer. Did you ever play golf with Michael Jordan? Have I no? I've never played uh, with Michael. I've
2: hung out with him a couple times, but never, never hit any balls with him.
0: I, I wonder how that would be, where because he, he openly trash talks, and I don't know if you've gotten into those, you know, matches where you're with non-golfers who talk trash.
2: Listen, I'm. There's one thing I'm good at, and I'm good at talking trash. <laughs> I might not be very good at golf, but I'm really good at talking trash. <laughs> <laughs> I can out talk you, I can tell you that much. But do you do that with Tiger? Uh, oh oh anybody. Um yes. And and there's certain guys, even on tour in tournament competition, because we're we're having fun, right? I mean it's an entertainment business and um there's certain guys, there's a handful of guys where I can I can we can poke fun at each other while we're in a main event, right? And uh, not just the practice round. And so, yeah, it gets fun. That That's when it gets fun. When you see that guy, you're paired with that guy
0: that you know you can joke around with and poke fun at. That's when it gets really fun. If not you, then who's the king of trash talking on the golf course? Oh, my God. Uh, um, well, I mean, I mean Tiger's got 82 victories. He's really the king. <laughs> but, uh, uh,
2: you know, um, I'd have to say Matt Kuchar, Matt Kuchar is – He's good at it and he does it like he's smiling at you. He's got everybody fake. That that's a fake smile, by the way. I will go ahead and tell you that. That Matt Kuchar smile.
0: I can't imagine Matt Kuchar being mean spirited. See? He got you full. He good. does. He does because yeah. he he's always got the smile. They're yelling cooch. But meanwhile he's exactly. he's jabbing you a little bit. Yeah, while he's smiling at you. And you're like you you get so mad at it. Yeah. Um, the reason why I was curious about Michael Jordan, because I was looking at the experience that you guys are offering you and Denny Hamlin. So explain that to the audience, what the experience is the all in challenge and then how they can take part in this.
2: Yeah. So, um, Denny Hamlin, we're, we're pretty good friends and he's a little lefty golfer and, um, you know, he, he came up with this idea and I said, man, I'm, I'm all in, which is the name of the thing. But, um, he said we're going to I'm going to let people come and play golf with me at Michael Jordan's course. Um him and Michael Jordan live in Charlotte together and they're good friends. Um, and so he said we're going to do it at the Michael Jordan course, uh Grove 23. And I said, "Man, I'll come down, I'll play." <laughs> and um and I and I've given away one of my watches that I have in my collection, um a Richard Mill 3901. Wait, it's wait, a, those are a,
0: a, those are really expensive. Yeah, this one's this one's
2: um, they're hard to come by, and th- this one's roughly, I will just say roughly a hundred, you know, somewhere around 150000 <laughs> 150, uh for this watch, um, and so okay. donated that, donated the round of golf, um, and then Denny's taking them on to who, who's done pretty well at Daytona. I think he's three time winner yeah. of yeah. Daytona, um, and he's going to take them there for an experience of a lifetime. Hang out in um, his you know the FedEx box, which is right there by him, and go meet his crew, meet him, um, get a, get a fire suit that he wears in the car, and then I think he actually if I remember correctly, he's going to take him for a hot lap, maybe drive him around in the car for a second. Um, and yeah, I mean this is a experience that you get to play golf with Denny and, and shoot the breeze with him hear trash talk between me and him, and then um, and then get to play golf with me. Um, and then get a then a cool watch out of it and a cool fire shoot out of it. I actually have one of Denny's um Denny had me a fire suit made. I've never been in a race car, but I have a fire suit just in case
0: I oh, guess. Well but you gotta do a ride along with Hamlin.
2: I don't trust it. Listen, <laughs> you're talking about a car real fat. He told me he would he he would hang me two inches from the wall and I said, I'm out. Um, so He'll make you throw me, up, Bubba. Oh, for sure. It's the same. You know, I live in Pensacola, Florida, where the Blue Angels are, and they ask me all the time. And I said, no, I am not going up <laughs> in the Blue Angels. Um, you know, so this all-in challenge, I mean, the way it came about, um, Michael Rubin just had an idea. And we're talking about, you know, his his ultimate goal would be $100 million, And when you start seeing, like this morning, Drake got involved. I saw Ellen was involved yesterday. I mean, a lot, just all these people coming together, trying to feed um, all walks of life in this this pandemic and so everybody's trying to do a good thing and 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 hopefully it turns out well I saw we just went over not we but the the whole organization went over uh six and a half million I think so it's starting I mean only three days or four days in it's starting at a on a good pace
0: that's great uh,
2: it's been amazing so far. yeah
0: so it's called the all-in challenge is that the website or you go to fanatics.com I think you can go to Fanatics but there is a website allinchallenge.com okay and then
2: that might transfer you over but yeah so it shows all the different things there's one you know it's only 10 bucks so you can buy a raffle ticket I guess it's like a raffle ticket or your name in a hat for these ultimate cha- these ultimate things you can get like get a co-host with Ellen um, you know you can um, be in movies with Kevin Hart and um, that's great Leonardo DiCaprio for only 10 bucks And then you can buy an experience as well, you know, on on auction part of it.
0: Well, you got two green jackets. You don't need two, so why not throw in a green jacket? Like a loner.
2: Exactly. Hey, I'm trying to hang on to mine just so I can prove to everybody I did it.
0: (laughs) Did you watch um, this past weekend when Tiger was there with Jim Nance, and so he was looking back on when he won the Masters uh, last year? Um, I did not see that. Oh, I was still good. crying, from watching mine as well. So. <laughs> it was so good because you know Tiger doesn't share too much, and to understand what he is thinking in the moment, uh, it was just—it was really fascinating. Then the previous day, they did when Phil won uh, the Masters in two thousand four, where he was the the analyst there with Jim Nance. So it was well done. Know. Yeah, it, it it was it was good stuff. Now Phil loves to talk. Tiger usually doesn't love to talk. Is Tiger still blocking your text messages because you send stupid text messages to him?
2: Um, Yeah, he he ignores me a lot of times. Um, (laughs) um, I will say though, I will I'll I'll give you one little tidbit. Okay. Um, After he won the Masters last year in '19, um, he sent me. You know, I I I came down from the champions locker and was right there when he got to the scoring area. Uh, There's a a few of us golfers, right? Six, seven of us golfers, and and um, and we went down there to say hey to him and and he we he said, "Hey, and we talked, and then he had to go sign a scorecard right um he sent me a text the uh the next week, and um, I should have saved it now that I think about it, but um, he said that thank you so much, it means so much that you um would wait around while you know when I won and um that was probably that's probably the nicest words I ever got from' him. normally, you know they they're a lot meaner, but, um, <laughs> they it was, showed it, cool it on the
0: broadcast. Back. They showed it all you guys there waiting for Tiger. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was yeah, a cool moment. So, yeah. That you guys wanted to wait to congratulate him.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, in, in our sport, I mean, that's, that's, um, the best ever, you know, that the, who I've got to see, I didn't get to see Jack in his heyday. Um, and so waiting around was no big deal. I ended up finishing 11th. So I was, you know, I was a couple, couple groups in front of them. Um, so no, it was easy to wait around and, and watch one of the greatest and and a person I call a friend, um, you know it was and it was cool to get that that text. I mean it, it was it was nice that he he would reach out, especially after winning. I'd still be celebrating. I'm still celebrating
0: <laughs> my 12th win. So. Uh, have you played Augusta in a month other than April? Have I? Yeah, um, yeah. At University of
2: Georgia, we usually play. We we got to go once a year, so we played in February. Um, I usually take uh, a couple friends usually somewhere between uh, January to April. So I've rotated depending on where my time off is um, before the Masters. So I've played in a couple months earlier, you know, that same year. What's I've it going to be like
0: in November? in
2: November? Gosh, I think that they're so talented and um their crew. I think it's going to be unbelievable looking just like it is normally. Um, but I think that, you know, obviously the leaves and the trees will look a little different, um, more more of a winter-fall feel. Uh, but I think it'll still be spectacular. I mean, Augusta
0: will not, not let the beauty of that course um, go away, if that makes sense. You got the PGA in June. What do you think the uh, – I was wondering about social distancing, that, like, golf could pull this off. There's no gallery, and it's just you and your caddy, and then, you know, you're in a twosome here. Um, or maybe you carry your own bag. I don't know, but I. It feels like golf could could do this. Tennis could do this as well. Uh, what do you think about the PGA in June? Yeah, I mean, this is
2: this is all um, this is all new to all of us, right? And I the, the new schedule just came out. Like, gosh, I would say an hour ago. Um, revised schedule. So the first event would start um, June eighth in Texas colonial. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is, um, it's just something that we've never had to deal with as a society. So, um, this is all new, but yeah, golf could do it. Um, yeah, you're right. I think carrying the bag, (laughs) yeah, you could easily keep away, get more people away doing that. But, um, then I'd have to add my own numbers. So I'd be lost. Um, so that would be tough, but, uh, golf, you could do it. Tennis, you could do it. I could see that for sure. Um, but um golf i'm in the trees a lot and most of the guys are in the fairway
0: so i'm away anyway so have you ever hit a shot where you go oh my god and i'm a professional golfer like the worst shot you ever hit
2: (laughs) oh man i've hit many of those um i mean the, the most famous one is uh number 10 at augusta in 2012 i mean i'm trying to hit a a 50-yard slice, and I hit a, you know, a 15-yard draw. Um, so I, I missed my target by a little bit there. It worked out in my favor, but um, anytime you fat it in the water, I fatted one in the water um, at Bay Hill, Arnold Palmer's course, um, on number 18 where he's been shot the middle of the fairway and just fatted it. It went about 30 yards right in the middle of the water.
0: Does your caddy um, ever say anything to try to cheer you up or just go, oh, my God, that's so bad?
2: Yeah, he'll, he'll lie and say, oh, I think that was an old divot. You were in the old divot. And say, yeah,
0: yeah. It was. <laughs> uh, hey, it's a great thing that you and Denny are doing and uh, all these uh, athletes and celebrities. It's fanatics.com uh, and also the theallinchallenge.com. A lot of great items on there. If you want to go to Michael Jordan's golf course and you want to play with Denny Hamlin and Bubba and also Daytona 500 package there and everything that goes along with that. A lot of good stuff. It's great to catch up with you again, Bubba. Hope the family's well, and we appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All y'all stay safe, man. That's uh, Bubba Watson. He's also throwing in that watch. Now, he wears a couple of those watches that are half million dollars. Now, it's so expensive, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's <laughs> it's Richard Mill. I think it's But those are... The watch he wears on the golf course, I think, is a half million dollars. And he came into the studio a couple of years ago, and he had one of those suckers on. And I went, "That that that's really expensive there, Bubba. He goes, yeah, I got a couple of them. Got a couple of them. Yeah, Paul.
3: I was about to say that I don't think I'd be comfortable wearing one of those, but I don't think I'm going to have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved.
0: Well, I like how he says, well, no, no, this was like $150,000. Oh, okay, then I'm fine with that Entry one. Entry level. Yeah. I'm okay. That's the one he wears to like the grocery store <laughs> yeah. and stuff.
2: It's like, ah, oh, this is just the
0: When he's dressing down, he wears the $150,000 watch. Yeah, boy. I have my Timex, I think it's pronounced watch. T M X. Timex.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wearing a Timex since I was a kid.
0: Oh, I got into collecting watches. It's dangerous. You had a run there. Like a oh, uh, 2011, 12. No, I still got them. Uh Panorays, Breitling's, Frank you, Mueller. You and uh, Larry Fitzgerald were talking watches oh. at the Super Bowl. Well, he gets them for free because I said, oh, wow, that is a great watch. He goes, yeah, yeah, you know watches? I go, yeah, I know that's expensive. And he goes, yeah, they give them to me. Like, they should give them to you. You're on TV three hours a day. And I go, I know. Why? I think he might add a panorai on, which is really expensive as well. Yeah, that's dangerous. It's, it's, yes, McLeod.
4: You know, you can get the, your time on your cell
0: phone too. <laughs> I know, but it makes a statement. It does. Especially with the, uh, the younger athletes, when they check out what you're wearing, when you got that Ottomar on and they go, Oh, got an Otomar." I go, yeah, two of them, baby. Yeah. Just send in a message there. Loud and clear. Yeah, McLeod. Do you use it to interview people? To to be honest, like, is it a
4: good conversation starter when you have a Larry Fitzgerald? Because I do notice that sometimes you'll start talking watches to get a guy relaxed.
0: Well, no, that with Larry, I I didn't have to get him relaxed. He's just a a cool dude anyway. But if you see somebody who has a watch, even if I'm not trying to interview them, I would just say, you know, John Mayer, uh, the artist, huge, huge watch, watch collector, huge I saw him in uh, Los Angeles at a restaurant. And the first thing I said when I walked over to him is, oh, I'm surprised you got that watch on. And then, you know, he looked up and he said, oh, hey, Dan, uh, this is my friend. I don't know anything about sports, but he'll be able to talk your ear off. I go, I want to ask you about your watches. He goes, oh, okay. So I'm asking him about his watches because he's got a huge collection of them. You know, it's just a way to start a conversation sometimes, just to get to know people, McLovin.
4: Another interview question. I do notice, is the two minutes before an interview important to you as an interviewer? Because you seem to have something going on with the guy sitting next to you. Like, do you try and, like, relax the guy? I know that's
0: interviewing 101. I'm just curious. Well, it depends. Are, are you talking about where I'm in person in a in in the person. studio? Yeah, in
4: person. Uh, do you try to, like, set, set a tone before you do the interview?
0: Yeah, I don't want... There are times when you have somebody sitting down and, and they're really... Cool. When Kareem came in... And and we were all in New York that day when Kareem came in, and I tried to make small talk, and I went, I don't know if this is going to go well. And the first couple of questions had to do with I think local playgrounds, and uh, then I st- I started talking about the Brooklyn Dodgers and Jackie Robinson, and and how much he loved baseball, and the, then we were off to the races. Then we were good. You know that that was the big key there. Yeah, Paul.
3: I've always thought one of your strengths is. Not going with the obvious first question with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Tell me about playing with the Lakers, or tell me about being with John Wooden. What was your second best sport? And he says, "Oh, I love baseball." And they want to talk about something they are never asked before.
0: It's like musicians don't want to talk about music, athletes don't want to talk about their sport, like you know, every actors don't want to talk about acting. And you you got to kind of manipulate them a little bit. I think Boomer Seayson's calling in. Let me take a break here. We'll talk to Boomer. Boomer. He's all in on Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati and said it could be like LeBron when he was drafted by the Cavaliers. We'll talk to Boomer Esiason right after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
1: I guess... uh some people out there are taking what I said about Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati like LeBron going to Cleveland as if it were the same thing in terms of the athletes, but uh, when you think geographically that uh, Joe Burrow is about two hours outside of Cincinnati in Cincinnati Bingo fan country, and LeBron was from Akron about an hour outside of Cleveland going to Cavalier country. Uh, I think the situations are very similar in respect, especially that Bolt will be the number 1 overall pick of their respective drafts.
0: Yeah, I I only had that comment and I'm I was with the uh, other people who were critical of it to say, "Wait, he's not the same as LeBron going to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, but in you know, in context, then I understand what you're saying, but I just saw the quote there. And I was like, "All right, well, Boomers all in on Joe Burrow. There, really all in on Burrow. Do you have a, what's your biggest question mark about Joe?"
1: Well, first of all, I, I've been all in on Joe Burrow since he won the Heisman and came and visit us on the NFL Today. I presented him with a Bengal helmet and welcomed him <laughs> to our dysfunctional family. Uh, so that was back, way back then. You know, the, the one, you know, the only concern that I really do have of him is that he did leave Ohio State. He didn't stay there and battle it out with Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, personally, I, I don't know the, the situation that unfolded there. I don't know what Urban Meyer and Ryan Day were saying to each of the quarterbacks. So I understand in this day and age, these players tend to go to that transfer portal is the moment they feel like <clears throat> they're not going to get a chance to do that. Uh, us from the old guard couldn't do that. We had to fight all the way through. So that was the only knock that I had on him. But the fact that he was a point guard – And he led his team, you know, to the state playoffs. Uh, He was the all state point guard for Ohio Uh, tells me that, you know, he's a great facilitator, that he's a great leader, that he understands the game, uh, how important his position is. And, you know, I do think he has the personality that Cincinnati desperately needs as a quarterback. And that's why I think he's going to really be a success there. And I think he and Zach Taylor should mesh well together and, Look, the Bengals spent a lot of money in free agency this offseason to try to prove to him that they're an organization that's in to win. So hopefully that would be the case, and hopefully he's changing some minds out there.
0: Would you listen to a trade offer if you were the Bengals?
1: I wouldn't. I think it's corporate suicide if they don't draft him. I mean, like I said, he's he's from Athens, Ohio, so he's two hours outside of Cincinnati to the east. A lot of his buddies that he grew up with are all Bengal fans. I mean, this is like the perfect situation. That's why it's a lot like LeBron to the Cavaliers. Anytime, or even like Patrick Ewing coming to the Knicks, uh, you know, back in, uh, what, 1985. So I just think that there's a perfect fit here. And uh, the Brown family is not stupid, I can tell you that. And Mike Brown has always valued uh, a strong quarterback presence on the team. That's why me, Kenny Anderson, Carson Palmer, and Andy Dalton, lasted as long as we did and got paid what we did to play for that franchise. So it's not a place for quarterbacks to go and die. It's a place for quarterbacks to go and flourish. And I, and I think given the fact that they gave the money to A.J. Green, uh, that they're going to have their full offensive line back this year, and if they have Joe Mixon in the backfield, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be rookie of the year, but he certainly will have a chance because I think he'll be the starter on day one.
0: We're talking to Boomer Sison, NFL Today on CBS Studio Analyst, and of course, a Morning Drive co-host on WFA. And Is it more of a fear of taking Tua or a fear of passing on Tua, do you think, in the draft?
1: I, I think it's more fear of taking him just simply because of the injury history and then when you listen to guys like Mike Tannenbaum and uh, Mike Lombardi just absolutely destroying to it, you wonder if there's some sort of conspiracy thing going on between Nick Saban and Bill Belichick to get to uh, up to uh, the new England. Although I, I don't necessarily know that the, the Patriots have the draft capital, to, uh, capital to do it. I, I, you know, he's left-handed and I think it's left-handers day here today. on the Dan Patrick show as I have seen all your guests. So I, I'm rooting for the young man. I think he's a terrific young man. Uh, I, I've never seen a guy that's accurate uh, come out of college. I mean, that's the one thing that I do really love about him. Uh, The injury factor does concern me, but, you know, that could happen to anybody. So look what happened to Drew Brees his last game in San Diego. He came back and has had a Hall of Fame career with New Orleans and Sean Payton. So hopefully he gets to the right place where he doesn't have to get thrust into playing right away, that he can actually have a few more months. protect that hip and then come hit the ground running in 2021 i was also wondering
0: about this boomer where i've talked to steve young about it this left-handed quarterback and you know these these teams are built for a right-handed quarterback but how much of a difference is it now in today's nfl if you have a left-handed or a right-handed quarterback
1: you know i think it took a while for the receivers just to get used to me when i was playing you know i remember chris collinsworth used to say there was like a an eight to ten inch difference of where the ball comes out of the pocket and you know sometimes it gets a little wacky if you're not used to playing with it but you know these guys are so good and uh, Tua is so accurate i don't really think it matters you know the other thing about Tua, he throws what i consider and i describe as a very catchable ball um it almost like it floats right into the hands of the wide receivers now a lot of the wide receivers there in Alabama were wide open. So uh, we have to see him at the NFL game and at the NFL level to see if the ball does have enough jump on it. I think it does. I think he's got more than a strong enough arm. And I think that his accuracy, like I said, is really outstanding. So that's a, I give him five stars on accuracy. I'll give him five stars on his arm strength. Uh, the thing that I that I that I hold back is the injury aspect of it, and that's a big aspect I think for uh, NFL talent evaluators.
0: I had Chris Fowler on yesterday, and I said, you know, what was your reaction first time you met Joe Burrow? And he went extremely confident. And I said, yeah, that's the first thing that jumps out when you meet him in person. And I said, well, what about Tua? He said the ball comes off his hand differently that he and Herb Street were talking about. It's just different. And I said, of all the quarterbacks, he said, I'm just telling you, it comes off his hand different. (laughs) How do you
1: explain that? It's just natural. It's something that, uh, you know, it's like watching Kyler Murray. It's like watching Andrew Luck. You know, some of the great players that we've seen, you know, come through these drafts. Uh, You know it when you see it, and I know exactly what uh, they're talking about. And and 2 it's got a beautiful, just like a beautiful natural motion. There's nothing you have to change. And, you know, the one thing I remember when I first got to the NFL, Bruce Coslett was my offensive coordinator in Cincinnati, and he used to yell at me all the time, get your elbow up, get your elbow up, because when my elbow was down, I would end up sailing the football and throwing it over guys' heads. And he would work with me on my motion and everything else. I was trying to do everything all natural. Uh, so I had to fundamentally change the way that I would do things. Mm. I don't think you have to do any of that with this kid. This kid just was like born, came out of the crib, throwing the football, and he just does it so naturally. And that's the beauty of it. And as far as the confidence is concerned with um, with Joe Burrow, here's what I love about that. He's going to go to a team. There's a perception, obviously, around the Bengals, and we all get it. But I, I'm here to, to defunct that in some respects because most of us quarterbacks that have gone there had pretty good careers, pretty good numbers. And I know Andy Dalton didn't win an all, uh, you know, a playoff game, but, you know, they went there, and, and Marvin Lewis was there for 16 years. So believe it or not, it's somewhat stable, and they do take care of their own, and they will pay their own guys. And what they need is a personality just like Joe Burrow to walk into that locker room when everybody knows – that he is the leader. And that's what I believe will happen. And that's why I think it's a great fit for the Bengals.
0: I'll leave you with this, Boomer. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., I know that there was rumor that maybe he's on the move to Minnesota, and uh, I think subsequent reports have said that that's not true. But, you know, with what happened with New York and you being in New York, like where did things change for Odell Beckham? And do you think that he can get that back, that whatever he had?
1: Hey Dan, I, I think he hated playing with Eli Manning, and I, I and I think that uh, he made no bones about it. You know, when he did the interview with ESPN and Little Wayne right there, you know, un, unable to say a nice thing about his quarterback Eli Manning, who's revered here in New York, is that's the moment that it really truly went downhill. You know, he pulled the antics on the field, going to get the the fluids before halftime even started, or you know, lifting his leg in Philadelphia like a dog on the on you know on, on a pasture. So all those things kind of added up, but that one interview where he just could not say anything nice about uh, Eli Manning, I think was the end game for most of uh, New York giant fans here in New York. And, you know, it's a combustible uh, relationship when you think about the two personalities, Odell and Baker Mayfield. So there may be some truth to the, uh, the discussion that he could be on his move on the move again. But then again, I was saying to myself, I don't know if Kirk Cousins is gonna to want to deal with that. No, and not Mike Zimmer. Lifting,
0: yeah, Mike right? Zimmer's not gonna to want to deal. Why would you trade a headache to get a headache?
1: Yeah, that's why I find it hard to believe, but I understand with Stepanski coming from Minnesota, I can understand if there was a possible conversation, yeah. I just don't see it happening.
0: The New York team that will make the playoffs first, the Jets or the Giants? Wow,
1: that's a good question. I'm going to say the Jets only because I I think they're maybe in a better situation in their division right now than the Giants are. The Giants have a, an untested head coach. They haven't been able to get together. They'll have a second-year quarterback. Um, I I think offensively they're going to be pretty good, but I still think defensively they're probably a couple of years away from being what I would consider a playoff defensive team.
0: By stock and Sam Darnold or Daniel Jones?
1: You know what? I buy stock in Daniel Jones, uh, and I buy heavily because I just think the kid Mm. showed more than I ever expected, and he looks like the real deal. Uh, Sam, I think, has gone through uh, some tough growing pains with the mononucleosis and all that other stuff, but I also think he plays a little bit of a – he needs to refine his game is really what I'm saying. In the pocket, he looks a little nervous to me still. And I think that still bothers some of the accuracy issues that he has. So he's got to calm down. Hopefully this year will be a year that we'll start seeing that.
0: Boomer, great stuff as always. Glad you got a chance to uh, clarify the, the Joe Burrow, uh, LeBron James stuff. We appreciate your time as always.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Good to talk to you. Take That's uh,
0: Boomer Sison, NFL Today on CBS. Yeah, I roughed up Boomer yesterday. I was like, wait a minute. This isn't like LeBron in Cleveland. LeBron grew up in Akron, which is in the shadows of Cleveland. We make it seem like Joe Burrow, you know, grew up in Cincinnati. He didn't. But Boomer was trying to clarify that. Put it in context as uh, we like to say. We got a winner on Fritzy's scoreboard. Today's winner is Andy in Illinois. 70 and 99 are the two numbers that Todd put up there. Would you like to give us a hint on what those numbers mean?
5: They are historic numbers, and I can share with you the uh, reasoning behind 70 and 99 if you're prepared for that.
0: I am prepared for that.
5: April 16th, 1996, <laughs> the Bulls win number 70, uh, surpassing the 71 72 Lakers. Most single season wins in a season. They finished 72 and 10, but on this date, they won number 70. 99 for two reasons Wayne Graham hired, he wore number 99, and he retired on this date in 1999. Oh.
0: Okay, so okay. four sixteen came in. That you put up the number four and sixteen, which is today,
5: which is today's date. But the actual numbers, the winning numbers are seventy and ninety nine. Oh, okay. So maybe Mario
0: the saw the four and the sixteen uh, on this date, and you know didn't see the seventy and the ninety nine. Maybe
5: quite possible. Okay. Both Mario, and uh, we make mistakes. Thank you,
0: Ted. Yes, Paul. <laughs>
5: Yeah,
3: because if you just put four sixteen, the date up there, you have to guess anything that happened in history on that date. It's really open. <laughs>
0: Uh, Jeff in Detroit. Hey Jeff, what's going on today? What up, though, Dan?
2: What up, though? One time for Chat Row. Listen, I've had this burning sensation in my heart and in my soul forever. And I think you might have the answer. Oh, how is it that Isaiah Thomas got mixed? From that 1992 dream case, (laughs) was it because of Jordan? Yes. Because there's no way that you could tell me that that, that, that Stockton is better than him.
0: Well, they're different. They're different. Yeah,
2: but I mean. People forget that, that nineteen eighty eight performance in the finals. Oh, I know, no. Six.
0: Jeff, Jeff, they're different. That oh. it's just Isaiah could could is capable of doing that. John Stockton was not, but John Stockton would run a team better than Isaiah would. Because Isaiah would get into these one on one battles. You know, his players would talk about it. If if Isaiah had a slight against you, a grudge against you, he was gonna try to embarrass you. Stockton never did that. So they're they're different players, but it came down to from what I was told, Michael Jordan did. They nobody wanted Isaiah on that team. Yeah, Paul.
3: There's even a moment if you watch the uh, Dream Team documentary that's on NBA TV all the time, where Jordan sits down for an interview and he says to the person, "He goes, no Isaiah Thomas questions.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's that blatant. They they discuss it. Yeah, they didn't like Isaiah. Remember the the, the freeze out at the? No, they didn't like him. And and Michael's saying, "Hey, you know, I." But you had Chuck Daly as the coach, right? So imagine you have Isaiah's coach, but you can't have Isaiah. How did Chuck, I I never heard if, how did Chuck Daly try to calm that down? That he's the coach of the dream team and Isaiah was not on the dream team. But I think it was Magic and it was uh, Larry and and it was Mike. They're like, we don't want him on here. I don't know if Charles was in that either. All right, we'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. We'll come back, tell you what's in store tomorrow, right after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. Can you tell me what I'm supposed to have
5: the PGA Tour Commissioner, Jay Monahan, tomorrow? And Jason Hare, the director of uh, ESPN's The Last Dance. Should I
0: ask him why I wasn't included
5: in? definitely should.
0: Like over 100 people were interviewed for the documentary, and it's a 10 part series. Couldn't they have squeezed in me for a, you know, instead of J.A. Adonde, couldn't they have slipped me in there? Man. Yeah, McLovin.
4: You know, I had forgotten that the uh, Bulls won some titles in the '90s, and that the Bears <laughs> won in '85. I'm so glad all these documentaries are out there and remind us I know. That
0: Chicago's dominance. Anytime there's somebody who has something to do with the, the Chicago winning, and there's a documentary, Paul he goes, "Well, we should have him on. We should have <laughs> him on." I go, "All right, we'll have him on." What? See, what do you have there? Your background. On well, the break, in the break, you guys were talking about all the beer and food and stuff that you had. Yeah. Uh, I thought well, I'm doing the last segment from the beach, so. Uh-huh. Nice. It, it almost looks like that fake corona of, you know, the canvas there with Tony Romo and John Gruden when they're taking phone calls on the beach. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. Yeah. 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 I like that. I'm gonna have a beer over here?
3: It myself. looks like Wayne's World when Wayne, they're in front of the green screen. We're in Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got you know some. What,
0: actually, I'm going to San Francisco. Never ooh. mind. We got some beer delivered here, local brewery, uh, Dockside, and uh, some wings. Uh, some, what, what are those egg rolls? you got? Philly cheesesteak rolls. Oh, sorry about that. McLovin. I love Philly cheesesteak rolls. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll let you know how they are. Dang. You know what? We can, we can, uh, zoom if you want and watch us eat. Mm. I'm trying to get some, uh, grilled cheese started over here, but
4: (laughs) not happening.
0: I did not know this. And I'm going to guess the audience doesn't know this either. The latest, the first quarterback was taken in a draft in the Super Bowl era. I'll I'll give you the team, and I don't think you'll get it. The Indianapolis Colts in 1988, the first quarterback selected went 76th overall. That'll give you an idea about quarterbacks and the importance of quarterbacks back then as opposed to now. The Colts waited until the 76th pick to take this quarterback. Yes, Paul, you want to guess? Mike Pagel? No. That's uh, a good guess because they drafted Arch Schleister yeah. earlier and they drafted him. Uh, I think he was a first-round pick. This guy played a long time. He played in the Super Bowl. Second on the list is... Uh, Pick 53, Danny White to the Cowboys. Tony Banks, 42nd. Tony Banks, the first quarterback selected in 1996. He was 42nd overall. Boomer Esiason was the first quarterback uh, by the Bengals in 84. He went 38th. Randall Cunningham went 37th in 1985 to the Eagles. Chris Chandler went to the Colts in 1988. The first quarterback taken. 76th pick overall. I found it interesting. Uh, Paulie, uh, let's see. This day in sports history. I
3: got a couple. Jackie Robinson made his debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers. His first major league hit was a bunt.
0: Wait, did you see on Jeopardy where I think Alex Trebek, the answer was Jackie Robinson, you know, the the player who broke the color barrier, and somebody said Babe Ruth, a college student Mm. said Babe Ruth. Mm. Mm, That's not what we were looking for. Yes, Paul.
3: Unfortunately, we have the audio of that, Dan. We weren't going to embarrass this person, but now
0: no, let's do it. All right. One of the topics covered in a Major League Baseball course at
5: Arizona State is this player who broke the color barrier in 1947. Schalke.
0: Who is Babe Ruth?
5: No. Nathaniel. Who is Jackie Robinson?
0: <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. I do it all the time. Yeah, Paul. The other one in sports history...
3: Blank through the first no-hitter in Colorado Rockies history. This is in 2010. Can anyone name the first no-hitter in Colorado Rockies history? What was the name of the pitcher? If you can name it, I'll give you, check my wallet,
0: $6. Anyone in the room? Does his first or last name begin with the letter A? No. B. His first name is- <laughs> <See>. <laughs> I- I'll
3: give you a hint. His name is Ubaldo Jimenez. Oh,
0: no! No, that, okay.
3: That's close. <laughs> anyone Can anyone get it now? U- Ubaldo Jimenez. I'll give it to you.
0: Oh. I knew I had a vowel in there. I just, I thought it was A. Did you say you knew I had a vowel in there? A vowel. Like a, to start his name. Uh-oh. He had a vowel. <laughs> At some juncture. <laughs> yeah. No. His, his first name began with a vowel. That's what I should have said. Then I would have gotten some damn credit. You baldo. You baldo. (laughs) Uh, Final results of the poll question.
4: You like old school or new school uniforms? 85%.
0: Old school. Now, Todd, that was funny. And I, I, I thought there was going to be a shot there
5: coming up. with No, Ubaldo. I didn't
0: want to pick on you and, and say, we have a Ubaldo here yeah, on our step. I no, I wasn't going to do that. You weren't going to. You do forced that. me to do it. Exactly. Ubaldo Fritz. Todd <laughs> Baldo. It's
3: not necessary at all,
5: really. New
3: character.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do it, but you make me want to say it again, Ubaldo. Uh, Todd, right. what did you learn today?
5: Dan Orlovsky says the fear of taking to is stronger than the fear of passing on him.
0: All right. I think that's the general consensus. McLevin. I learned that Todd wanted
4: to be very specific, that it was really Mario who screwed up the school board. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had no problem throwing
5: him under the bus. Seton
0: O'Connor. Uh, Boomer Esiason's uh, thoughts largely taken out of context. Uh, I guess so. By yours truly, Paulie. New nickname, Ubaldo. Baldo. Thanks for joining us, letting us be part of your lives. Be safe, be smart. Talk to you tomorrow.